en een hartelijke goeie morgen. Welkom bij ons program Skrifteerlik, waar ons wekelijk saam na oplossing soek uit die skrifte vir vraag waarmee gewone mense sikkel. Die Bijbel sê in Johannes 17, 17, die woord is waarheid, heilig hulle na die woord. En Psalm 119, sê, die woord is een lamp vir my voete en een licht vir my pad. Kom dan saam met ons vir die volgende uur, wanneer ons geen steen onaangeraak laat, om die waarheid te vind en licht te skyn op die vraag uit die skrifte, waarmee ek en jy moendik kan worstel nie. Krijg dus gauw jou Bijbel en kom onderzoek saam met ons die skrifte. Dis moes nou skrifteerlik. Our family is just getting bigger and bigger. Welcome to 657 AM. Yeah, trusting God for a, a bigger and a better family all the way. Better because we uh, getting schooled in God's word. A warm hearted good morning. Goeiemorgen, abosheni, molweni, dumelang, sanbonani. Indeed, a privilege to be in your company. And it's always my brother in Christ. Uh, still mm, playing with the microphones over there. Rocky <laughs> Stevenson, good morning, my brother. Good morning. It's so good good to be here, Vainant. Wonderful to have you. And Rocky, just to feedback, we honor the Lord Jesus Christ for Let's Talk in the mornings. Get such good feedback on Let's Talk. What is it like presenting? Uh, well, you've committed for a year on doing that Mondays to Fridays. What is it like presenting Let's Talk? Yeah, it's great. It's, um, there definitely is a level of pressure because you, you know, it, it doesn't just take a few moments to think through the the piece that you present you've got to give a some good time to it and so it definitely takes some time um i think you you mentioned it was a lot to chew and um i didn't believe you at the time but then as i was working through it (laughs) you realize it's actually quite a bit of work but i thank god for it and what's a joy about it is you get to be in different subjects and so you're having to wrap your mind around church history and then theology and wisdom literature and so rocky for those listening right now sorry for interrupting you but let's talk you do monday tuesday wednesday thursday friday mondays you call what Memorable Monday. Memorable Monday. Theology Tuesday. Theology Tuesday, Wisdom Wednesday, Technical Thursday, and Fantastic Friday. And then I was just having a discussion now now about possible Saturdays as well. So we'll see about how that goes. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Wonderful. As for here now, not only doing Let's Talk, but also Scriptural. This is a program where you your vraag for us in by luisteraars. Do you learn it now in English? Do you learn it now in Afrikaans? No, we do it two-talig. Yes, by welcome het vir ons in Afrikaans jou vraag in te stuur, in Engels in te stuur. Vergewe my, my uh, uh, please uh, accept my apologies, but my Tswana and Kwasa isn't all that good. If so, you do send it in, I have to put it on Google Translate first to try and work out what you're asking, but uh, if all else fails, you're welcome to even do that. Send it through and this is where we delve and dive into God's Word and find the answers. The undiluted Word of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm quite sure you're not interested in our opinion, Rocky's opinion, my opinion, and if you've got a question, somebody somewhere, somehow said something that confused you altogether, and you want to know, what does the Word of God say with regards to that? Then you're welcome to uh, send your questions. Now, I'm going to give you a WhatsApp number. You have to jot it down, because the only way that you can take part in this program is by sending your question through WhatsApp. Simple as that. And just a sideline remark, kindly put in the scripture that you're struggling with. 
kindly put in the scripture that you're struggling with. It just makes life a little bit easier for Rocky and myself here in studio uh, to go to the scriptures and open up all the programs uh, that we're using to help us find the answers to those questions. Are you ready for the WhatsApp number? Put it under your favorites. It just makes life so much easier. Somebody said to me the other day, Rocky, he says, you know, uh, you've been giving this, uh, this WhatsApp number a million times. And only when I wanted to send in my question, I realized that I didn't have it on my phone. Life just works like that. Huh? I'll get it a little bit. All right. So if you miss out on the WhatsApp number this morning, don't despair. We'll be giving it throughout the program. And uh, if you're ready now for it, here it comes. It's 082-657-2729. 082 657, that's the frequency on, on which you're listening to right now, 657, then the number 2, and then 729, which is Radio Cape Pulpit's uh, frequency down in the uh, Western Cape. There you have it. Uh, Vodacom Network, 082-657-2729. Send it through. We handle uh, lifestyle questions. Levenstijl fra, as jy fra rondom dit het. Baie welkom, baie mense wat fra instuur. Engels, Afrikaans, hoe dit ook al sê, en ons wil vandag wegspring dan met Mike sy vraag. Mike, you asked the question, hy het gevraag, hoe werk jy doop? Uh, en, en kan jy, dis hoe Mike dit geskryf het, hy sê, en kan jy bekeer as jy nog nie gedoop is nie? Is it possible to be rebirthed, to be reborn? even though you're not baptized. What comes first? Is it to be reborn and then baptized, or is it to be baptized and re? And, and how do we understand it? Mike, brilliant question. So many people struggling with this, and sometimes we're not here to step on toes. We're here to say, this is what the, lo- the word of the Lord says. Does it make sense? Uh, uh, Rocky, yeah. what was that translation like? Did I do okay yeah, with that? Does good, it make yeah. sense? Very good, definitely. <laughs> All right, um, my brother, it's over to you then. Yeah, I, I think that there's so much confusion in our day regarding baptism, sadly, and that's because we are somewhat 2,000 years after, uh, let's say, 2,000 or just, just under 2,000 years post the death of our Lord, His burial and resurrection. But baptism, even the, the very Greek word, baptizo, means immersion. All right. And that is to be put under. And you also see that scripturally you don't have the baptism of uh, big people or small people. You have something called believers or professing believers baptism. All right. Somebody professes with their mouth that Jesus is their Lord. And so they follow through the waters of baptism. We also see that the the onus is upon disciples of the Lord Jesus in regard to their following of the Great Commission in Matthew 28, that they are to go and make disciples of every nation, and that means they are to uh, go and present Christ to the nations. We know that you become a disciple by denying yourself, taking up your cross, and following the Lord Jesus Christ. And then it says, and then baptizing them in the right. name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so it ought to be that the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, the disciples of Jesus, who themselves have followed him, would then baptize those that profess to follow him. And so that would seem to be the order. And as you go through the whole book of Acts, and you notice the many times that the gospel is presented all the way through Acts, which actually goes from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth, you find that whenever the gospel is preached, whenever there's a call on the people to respond, the call is always to repent, believe, and 
be, be baptized. baptized. Yes. And that is the call in, in that, that is order. there all the way. And, yeah. and I think that we've to a degree left that out a bit, even in our modern day. We tend to think that baptism is something that you only do once somebody shows fruit yeah. or that baptism is something that you do only once somebody fully understands. Now, it's good to fully understand. Yeah. But what's better than fully understanding is simply obeying and actually doing what the Lord Jesus has taught us and doing what the scriptures teach us. Baptism isn't that which actually shows the purity of the church. Yeah. Church discipline would do the purity of the church. And if somebody has actually sinned and you come to them and you say, brother, you have sinned and they refuse to repent, you take another one with you. That's Matthew 18. Yes. If they still refuse to repent, you take it to the church. If they still refuse to repent, then you put them yeah. out of the church. That, you that's have, another issue altogether, isn't you have it? Somebody like yeah. Simon the Sorcerer, for example, in oh, the book yeah. of Acts, who was baptized as well. And that didn't make him saved. He actually just had the baptism because he thought that somehow he's going to get some kind of power from it. Yeah. And Peter rebukes him and says to him, you know, this is something that is wicked what you're busy doing. And so you do have some people that are baptized that actually were not saved. And that's why we say, even at Benoni Bible Church, that we don't baptize believers. We yeah. baptize professing believers. All Somebody right. says, Jesus is my Lord, and therefore we baptize them. All right. So why baptism? Because there's, there's a lot of confusion. Uh, did Jesus do it? Does the word say? Does the word give us an example mm. of mm. of Jesus being yeah. baptized? Yeah. And, and what is the purpose? What is Why do we get baptized? Yeah. Matthew chapter 3, you find Jesus, our Lord, being baptized, and he did that to fulfill all righteousness. You'll remember that John yeah. actually said to him, no, I, I, I can't baptize you. Yeah. And Jesus said, no, we need to do this so that we may fulfill all righteousness. And then our Lord Jesus also commanded, this is one of the two ordinances that the church has. There's some people that would, you know, kind of bring in and say, oh, but there should be an ordinance of foot washing or others. And there are some churches that actually do that in, in America. I'm aware of some Baptist churches even yeah. that will do like foot washing as, a, as another ordinance because they confuse some of what we see in John chapter 13. But our Lord Jesus has commanded his church You'd go and do this. And part of what it is, is identifying with Jesus Christ. It's saying, that is my Lord, that is my Savior, and I want to put on public display to all that will witness that I now have died to my sin. This is, I'm, I'm showing what has happened in the heart by a physical act of obeying and following my Lord. I have died with him. Yeah. And I've been buried with him, and now I'm alive with him. And so it's a public profession. In so most is, it, is it a metaphor? Is it the showing of the washing off of sins? And do we? this is a New Testament ordinance, isn't it? Indeed. Do we find in, in the Old Testament a, a, a form of, of baptism? And I'm thinking of Israel moving through the Red Sea out of Egypt and, and, yeah, and yeah, what Romans, it stands for. Romans chapter 6 even would touch on, on some of that. And you do have that kind of an element of being baptized with Moses through the Red Sea and going in through the law, etc. Many times there's been a confusion um, that has crept in regarding baptism and uh, and circumcision. And they would say that just as circumcision was the seal of the Old Testament, then baptism is the seal of the New Testament. But that would actually be to confuse the work of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is the seal of of those that are born again. Yeah. It is not circumcision as the Old Testament. And women and, are not circumcised. And you have even, exactly, and you have also um, Paul writing the book of Galatians actually challenging that, whereas people were saying you as a Christian now need to be circumcised. And oh, so right. people have taken this and they've they've done kind of a, um, a, a theological jump where they've said the New Testament Christian is the new Israel. 
and therefore the new Israel must have this thing that was circumcision now needs to be baptism. And the fault with that is, like you said, women were not circumcised in the Old Testament, but also they were circumcised at the eighth day. But then you also have our Lord Jesus, who himself was circumcised on the eighth day, but was still baptized to fulfill all righteousness. Setting an example for for us. And you have even John's baptism, where he he baptized many, many Jews who had themselves been circumcised. Even the apostles of our Lord, all of them were Jews. They'd been circumcised, but Jesus baptized them. And so you have even the 3,000 that that come to the Lord in Acts chapter 2, once they believed, they were baptized. And I think here's where I want to maybe throw it out there. Have we not maybe complicated baptism too much in our day or allowed baptism to be complicated? We know that that's what Satan has done since the Garden of Eden. He said, did God really say? And I think that's what's happened with baptism. It, it ought to be something that is connected with our testimony of being born again. You believe because you've repented, you believe, and now you baptize. All right. Now, take me through that, Rocky, because it's very important what Mike is asking here, the question on baptism. Repentance. Do I have to sit down and think of every little thing that I've done wrong, every lie that I've told? How do I repent? How does the process start? We'll get to baptism yeah, in a second. Yeah, yeah the uh, repentance in particular. What is the repentance? There, there would be a repentance of dead works. Yeah. So you would repent of believing that anything that you've done can save you. But then there's also a repentance of the physical sin that you have committed, and you're looking at your sin as a as a large thing. And, and now, of course, the Lord will bring to mind certain things that you yeah. need to repent of, and that repentance looks like turning away from it and turning towards Christ as yeah. the Savior for sin. But it also has that element of, I'm going to now trust the finished work of Jesus at the cross yeah. and his perfect person. So I'm repenting of the fact that I am a person that is a sinner, and I'm also repenting over the fact that nothing that I've done can ever earn me salvation. Only the grace of God through what Jesus has done is going to save Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. And so I turn to the Lord Jesus Christ, and thereby I've turned away from that sin. But then it also looks like making right. And I think this is a point that people sometimes don't get. And it looks like accepting the consequence. We see this from somebody like David, who was a man of the God's own heart because of his repentance. He accepted the consequences that God gave to him. And he accepted that even joyfully, recognizing that God is sovereign and that there is still a consequence for my sin. So as to to paint it in a New Testament picture, the New Testament will talk about the thief and the thief no longer stealing, but actually working with his hands in order that he might then give to others and so you have a full turn from the sin that was done to actually now doing something that is godly in order to do the opposite of what was done so it happens in the heart it's a realization without christ i'm lost i repent i want to ask you a question i have met many a man in my life that said i haven't officially I haven't officially repented, but I said, here I am, Lord, if there's hope for me. Mm. And and they were spiritually rebirthed. They were spiritually reborn. And and it's using different words. It's mm. not mm. using the word. Re- Do I physically have to say, Lord, I repent of my brokenness and who I am, or can you just cry out to the Lord, have mercy yeah. on me? Yeah, the, the scriptures are quite simple in the sense that just look to Jesus and live. 
that that act of repentance, yeah. believing, it's all wrapped up in right. the looking to Jesus okay. and recognizing him as Lord and Savior. And I think that if we have to make it and break it down into some kind of a formula, then mankind will always go to the formula because oh, yes. we're so, we so works-based. Yeah. And we'll yeah. think, okay, well, and that's that's part of the question as well when it says, do I have to be b- baptized to yeah. be born again? Yeah. Um, no, you're born again by the work of God in you. But when you are born again, and you have a new nature, yeah. and you begin to study the scriptures, and you have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, which is what we have as the baptism of the Holy Spirit at conversion, then you will study the scriptures, and you'll want to do what your Lord has taught you. All right. And one of the things the Lord has taught is be baptized. All right. So then if you refuse to be baptized, there's an issue. Then you're actually walking in sin and may even show yourself to not be a believer. And so this is where it becomes difficult. And we can't see the heart of an individual. God sees the heart of a person. But if somebody refuses, once they know the right thing to do within the scriptures and they refuse to do what the scriptures say, that is then sin to that individual. That's when you find different consequences that may come in and different judgment even upon that individual if they choose to carry on in their sin. All right. So it's a hardened heart. Rocky, how will I know if I'm truly rebirthed, if I'm truly reborn? Because I remember, and I'm using myself as an example, Mm -hmm. I remember as a young boy, I was invited to these youth camps. I sat there and I truly cried out, Lord. Help me. And years later, now I understand it was the parable of the sower. Mm. I, I, I cried out. But by Wednesday, after the weekend, I was back to my old ways. How will I know if I'm truly rebirthed? Somebody will get to the baptism that Mike is speaking about in a second. Mm. But how will I know? I've repented. I've cried out on the Lord. How will I know if I'm reborn? Yeah, um, First John would be a fantastic book to go and study. I think there's about 11 elements that you can look through as you see through first john and you find this test of whether or not you truly know the lord the book of first john yeah first john in particular is excellent with this and you you find that first john will it it actually says this in first john 5 verse 13 these things which i have written about to you that believe on the name of the son of god that you might know that you have eternal life and that you believe on the name of the Son of God. And so you have these tests of assurance within the book of First John as he lays it out. Um, the, the, the epistle, or let's say the gospel of John, actually lays out the theology of salvation. And then First John lays out the assurance of salvation. Right. And so First John would be an excellent book to go and study, and that would give you even more than what I could say now, but but part of it would be that you have the love of the brethren. That's part of what First John talks about. You no longer will be under the deceit of the devil. You're yeah. going to be believing what the scriptures say. Yes. Um, you're going to have a love for the word of God that you once never had. Yeah. I think one of the clear signs as well is that you no longer will have the the pleasures of sin that you once used to have in sin. Yeah. You will know that actually this thing that I'm doing is wrong, and it's no longer giving me the kind of enjoyment that I once yeah. used to get from this. Yeah. Uh, my conscience is now alive to this, because but once it used to be dead, I used to run after this. All right. You also don't have the penalty of sin any longer upon you, so you now call on Father as Abba Father. There's All a right. relationship between you and the Father that is different than what you were before, and you start to walk in a progressive manner of putting off the sin and renewing the spirit of your mind and putting on Christ. All right. And as you see that that process happening, I think that 
that that um, process of sanctification, as we call it. Yes. And now we, there is two different kinds of sanctification. There's the positional sanctification. That's that God looks at you and he sees the blood of Christ having covered you. But then there's that progressive sanctification. You are becoming more the and laying more. laying down of sin, yes, you walking become more away. and more yeah. like Christ. Yeah. I think that that is a wonderfully assuring aspect when you've been born again, yeah. is that you can look and say, well, what was I 10 years ago and what am I now? You know, am I yeah. am I, I truly born again? Yeah. Yeah. And what First John also shows us is that there's a pattern as well for those that are not born again. They lie, and then they believe their own lie, and eventually they call God a liar. Yeah. So if that's wow. kind of what you see happening in your life, then you've got to wonder, but am I really born again? Yeah. And sadly, very sadly, there's a group of people that Jesus even speaks about in um, Matthew chapter 7 who come before him and say, Lord, Lord. And even those terminologies, wow. kurios, kurios is yeah. the Greek, um, was a tremendously you know, respectful way of calling Jesus Lord and actually yeah. saying, I'm under you, I'm following you. But then they say, we cast out demons in your name, we healed the sick in your name, we did many mighty works in your name. But he says to them, get away from me, you workers of lawlessness, for I never knew you. And those are people that actually know Jesus as Lord, as such, in inverted commas. But they still believe that they're going to earn their way into heaven by the good works that they do. And so one of the clear signs that you're born again is you trust only in the finished work of Christ. You're not trusting in your own works or your own righteousness or your own goodness. Okay. All right. Now, Rocky, now we get to the baptism. I've done repentance. I've been rebirthed. I want to ask you this. Is it a sin if I have myself baptized but I'm not fully in my heart convinced that I'm rebirthed. I, I know of young people and I've seen people walking to the fore, accepting the Lord Jesus Christ, go and be baptized, but they haven't been reborn. And by the fruit you see that, am I sinning before the Lord? Because if I get really rebirthed at a later stage of my life, can I be baptized again? Yeah, so so we would we would baptize somebody again if they were not a believer at the point of baptism. All right. So, so we would. So that can happen. Yeah, we we would ask and we would go through some of this. If if somebody didn't fully understand what they were doing, yeah, we yeah. wouldn't necessarily rebaptize them. Yeah, yeah. As long as they were obeying the Lord Jesus, and they said, "I got baptized because I obeyed Jesus." But I didn't really understand all of these things about baptism. That's okay. Most of us didn't understand all of these things at that point. But that's the the obedience of Jesus that is more important. What I would say that if if somebody has professed that Jesus is their Lord and they've gone through baptism, but then the fruit in their life actually is is rotten, then we what is called for is actually church discipline, not necessarily. Rebaptism, you do church discipline to find out is this person actually in the Lord or not in the Lord. And if there's no, and I think this is part of the problem, is that often we want to just put things underneath a rug. We don't care enough for people when they've sinned against the Lord to love them enough to actually confront and say, here's what the Word of God says. And if that person's truly born again, and this is, I think, another telltale sign, uh, John 10 27, one of my favorite verses in all the Bible, my sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. When you give the sheep of Jesus, Jesus' word, yeah. the sheep of Jesus says, I want to follow that. Yes, of course. And that becomes the sign that that is a sheep. But if that person goes, I don't like this word, I hate this word, and I hate you for telling me this word, I'm going to go my own way. Most likely you're dealing with a goat or a wolf. You're not <laughs> dealing with a sheep. All right. And if you get to the end of that process of church discipline in Matthew chapter 18, 
the the end reality is you treat them like a Gentile or like a heathen, and you actually then know where they stand before God, and then you give them the gospel. All right. <laughs> so okay. then you know, okay, what well, this person actually is not really born again. All right. Now, Rocky, here's the question. If I'm in a denomination or a certain church group, mm. Um, and, and I know there's, there's wrong teaching and it is not right. And now I've been rebirthed. Mm. Uh, can I stay there to share the gospel or do I move away from that and go find a Bible preaching church? Uh, what, what advice does the word of God give us here? Or can I stay with that church grouping and, and share the truth that God has imparted in my heart yeah, now? This is, this is a tough, question, Avenant, because it, it also depends geographically where you are. Have you got other good Bible-based churches around you? Yes. A church is better than no church, even if it is off on things like baptism. And, right. and why I say that is you're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, by the scriptures alone, to the glory of God alone. And that can happen with you as an individual inside of a denomination that might not be uh, uh, biblically based regarding right. baptism. Okay. However, most of the time, it, at least what we see in church history, and I want to draw on church history a little bit here, because right in the New Testament, there was no, I mean, there was no place that was not baptizing. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean yeah. by what I mean by baptizing, I mean by full immersion as professing believers. Yeah. That's the practice of the New Testament church. Yeah. It's only after church history came in and there was this confusion regarding baptismal regeneration. That means people actually started to believe that you had to be baptized to be saved. Yeah. And then part of the problem is that many infants were dying. And so then they mixed the theology and they said, okay, well, we need to baptize the infants. And they even baptized dead people because they believed so much that if you weren't baptized, you won't go to heaven. Yeah. And so it yeah. became actually fear-based that even drove some of that. But if you're in a, a group like that, um, most of the time, a person actually gets kicked out yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because they truly love the Lord Jesus and they love God's word and they start to become a pain. You know, yeah. they, they actually they show others a the scriptures the around them. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think it usually gets to a point where it becomes almost unbearable for them. Um, I have the, one, one man that comes to mind in, in my congregation in Middleburg, and I don't want to mention his name. I don't want to give any embarrassment to anybody, etc. But he became such a thorn in the side of one of the big denominations in our country yeah. because of this topic in particular. And he, right. he, once he was truly born again, he actually used to be a deacon in that denomination. While he was not yet regenerate, right. and the Lord saved him, and immediately when he saw in the scriptures, I need to be baptized, he found somebody to baptize him, and he got baptized. His wife didn't. Only years later, she actually yeah, yeah. ended up being my first baptism as pastor at Middleburg Baptist Church right. because he came and joined our congregation eventually. I think it eventually becomes quite unbearable, and I think yeah. you need to weigh up that for yourself as an individual. I'm also thinking of Philippians 1.18, at least Christ is preached, yes. isn't it? Yes, and I think, I think you need to just look and, you know, those that are not against us are those that are for us. And yes. Even with the disciples of our Philippians Lord Jesus, yeah. you know, they, they were saying, yeah, but yes, these guys that are doing this. Now, we live in such a broken world, a broken society, and I think you want to weigh up and go, okay, well, where am I serving the Lord Jesus where I'm at? And I don't want to be divisive. I don't want to be somebody that actually becomes somebody that breaks down this congregation. I don't want to 
Um, you know, and, and it may be that the right thing for you to do is to sit down with your pastor and say to him, look, I've, I'm convicted regarding what the scriptures say here. I've researched that he has, a, he has another congregation in our town or in our city. I'm going to rather go there. And, um, and, and you know, I, I need to for the sake of my own conscience so that I might go serve the Lord there. And would you be okay with me resigning my membership here and actually doing it very much as an adult would, or let's say rather not as an adult, many adults do wrong things, as a Christian would. Yes. You know, and you actually make those, have that conversation and, and, and sit and talk. You know, but I yeah. think you want to be careful that you don't sin against the Lord even in being right. Because okay. I think that's the hard thing, isn't it? Is that when we know that we write about something, it can be tremendously dangerous. Yes. You know, yeah. we, we write very few times. <laughs> and when we write, we can get so proud about that. Yes. And we can think, yeah. hey, but, and then we can actually end up erring on the side of, of that rightness. Yeah. And so I'd, I'd say to any listener, you know, look, look at where you stay in geographically. Um, and, and then also look at what your influence is within the congregation. You don't want to be divisive. You want to do the right thing with the right knowledge that you have. You don't and want driven to be by love. And, exactly. and driven by love. And driven love. by love. And recognizing that, that these, these dear brothers and sisters may truly be born again, but just confused on this. And it might not even be fully their fault. Yes, they are at fault when they, they've got the same Bible, etc. But there's so much theology and yeah. so much church right. history and sometimes so much confusion. And sometimes even those ministers might even know that they're actually wrong with what they do. And yes, yeah. we had ask on you to, to have a level of care is that they might even know that they're wrong with that. But, but should they admit that, they may lose their job, they may lose their congregation they may might be staying in the church house they might and this can go not just for the baptism issue i'm talking about other theological issues as well and even the structures of the denominations it's often not biblical often it's there because of this adoption of a theocracy in the old testament and israel and instead of having autonomy of the local body there's this denominational structure that has been accepted and and often that's just um beyond almost their control Right, we're going to walk away from Mike Blechard. What an interesting question, and I think we've covered it when it comes to repentance, when it comes to rebirth, and when it comes to baptism. They go hand in hand. You can't separate them, and so important. Thank you so much for all the responses we're getting on WhatsApp. Bless your heart for that. Ikasa says, we've got to play a song. Let me just double-check here something with Rocky on a WhatsApp that we've received, and he says, yeah, well, before you go for the music, my brother, let's go for this one. Ons het een vraag gekryf van een luisteraar wat sê, moet amal luister hierna, moet amal siekes kan gezond maak en demone uitdrijf. En as jy nie kan nie, is jy dan nie rechtige kind van die Heere nie? Rocky, how are we on the translation of that one? Yeah, the simple simple answer would be, no, not everybody is to heal the sick or drive out demons. And you even see a, a distinction between apostolic gifts within especially the book of Acts, and you see a transition period as the New Testament is written to the point that actually towards the end, Paul doesn't send a handkerchief to somebody like Timothy who's got frequent stomach ailments. He actually writes to him and says, drink a little wine 
for your frequent stomach ailments. And so you see a transition that takes place even within the New Testament where these apostolic gifts, which were specifically there to show the validity of the apostles within the New Testament, actually begin to even wane out. And you find that, that, that that becomes more and more true. And I would say that there's even a danger of what I mentioned earlier with Matthew chapter 7, where somebody can actually have false signs, false wonders, like the false prophet that we find in Revelation, who drives out demons even by that power to, to bring out almost this false sense of fame. And that's exactly what those guys in Matthew 7 did. We healed the sick in your name. We cast out demons in your name. We did many mighty works in your name. And he says, get away from me for I never knew you. Where such a big thing is made out of, you know, let's say demon hunting and out of healing that it actually dissuades and distracts from the simple truth of the gospel and takes the focus away. What should we do when somebody is sick? We see in James that we are to, if you ought ought to call on the elders to come and lay hands and, and oil and pray for you. And we ought to pray that God in his mercy would would heal. Um, but there are times as well where the Lord even says no. You think of somebody like the Apostle Paul who himself had the gift of healing at a point. Yeah. But he has a thorn in the flesh given him of, of God, but it was a thorn of Satan in his flesh. And he asked three times for it yeah. to be taken away. And God says no. And in his weakness, God was made to be strong. And so so I think that... And I'm thinking of Paul as well, who said, uh, who was it that he left behind, sick in Melita? And he yes. said, uh, you know, I've left him behind in Melita. Uh, and uh, by virtue saying, and I would imagine that Paul has prayed for him, but the Lord has decided that that person wouldn't be healed. Uh, the question, the cry from this person's heart is, uh, am I then really a true child of God? Mm. When I have this in my heart, Heart. Somebody is not healed. Yeah, uh, that uh, reference that you're looking for, Second Timothy four twenty, yeah, where it says Eratius has remained at Corinth, and uh, talking about just that kind of sick, yeah, aspect. Yes. All right. So it doesn't deter, it doesn't take away from the fact that you're a truly reborn child of the Lord yeah. Jesus Christ. What, what okay. I would say as well is we never see in the New Testament that we're meant to go and cast out demons. Yeah. There's never a command from the Lord Jesus to do that. What the command is, is for us to stand firm in the faith and then Satan will flee from us. Yeah. And so is there a the, command to pray for the sick? There, there is there is a um, command in James regarding yeah. going to the elders so that you would be prayed for. All right. um, and there is also the caution of First Corinthians chapter eleven about those that might be eating the Lord's supper without rightly All judging right. themselves, and then them possibly being Must sick. Must it be only the elders of that? Must it be only the elders that no, pray I think, for the I sick? I think that any any Christian could be praying for another Christian. Yeah. What we also see in the book of James, and I believe it's James chapter five, is that if you if if that you actually are to confess your sin to one another and then you will be healed. Yeah. And so there may be an element at times where, you know, there's sickness in this world, and I break it into these categories. There's sickness in this world because of the simple fact that we're in a broken world since the Garden of Eden. Yes. But there's also sometimes sickness in this world because there's sin and the consequences of that sin. And the Lord has, there's, there's, there's not just physical consequence, or let's say there's not just spiritual consequences to sin. These things intricately impact even the body you know so for example um you might steal something but then you're anxious about the fact that you're going to get caught with that so then you have stress about that and then you start to have sickness because of that or you start to have a lack of sleep because of that and so there's physical elements that are affected by our our spiritual sin 
And, and so it, 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 it's so intricately connected. And what we see in the scriptures, and even from somebody like, um, uh, like David in the Old Testament, Psalm 53, when he's confessing, he had these bones that were like rotting inside of him. He says, I'm, I'm, they're wasting away. Yes, but now yes. when I've confessed my sin, yeah. There's this healing that takes place. Proverbs and so, speak about it as well. So only a man and God will really know that. Yeah. Maybe you're sick with some something in your life, but you actually know there's something you've, you have unconfessed. Yeah. And there seems to be a healing even attached to bringing it out into the light. And, of course, there's a fitting way that you do that. Yeah. You know, there may be certain things that you shouldn't get up on a Sunday morning and interrupt the pastor and say, I've been doing this. Yeah. Maybe you should rather sit quietly with him and talk through it first. Yeah. But there may be other Christian brothers or sisters that you can have around you that you say, please pray for me. This is a sin struggle that I've been going through. Yeah. Please, uh, I, I, need to, I need to confess this. Because sin in its own way is kind of like a fungus. If it's left in the dark, it grows more and it destroys yeah. your life. Yeah. And, and that's the power of sin. Eh? It destroys the every secrecy. aspect of your life, yes. Yeah. And the wages of sin is death. Yeah. And so if you go in your own way, it brings destruction. So if you um, confess that sin to your brothers or sisters, there's a healing that starts to take place. And that healing usually starts at the, at the spiritual level. Yeah. But often it has a physical change as well in your life. I want to ask you something very important. Jesus said to the disciples at one stage when the people say, why couldn't they drive up this demon? Mm. And Jesus answered, certain things can only be done by prayer and fasting. Mm. Uh, how impo- I don't want to get into a formula here. Mm. You've warned us against that. But, but how important then, uh, if I have a sick child, can I fast? Can I pray? Can I, can yeah, I ask? I, I think we should always um, petition the Father. And we even have the command from our Lord in that parable where he talks about the the widow who who has the unjust judge. Yeah. And she keeps on coming before him all the time, pestering. And Jesus' per, Jesus' point was, you have a heavenly father who isn't an unjust judge. You yeah. have a heavenly father who actually knows your needs yeah. before you even know, before you even tell him. That. All right. Now, James says that you, you don't receive because you don't ask. And then sometimes we ask, but we ask for the wrong, with the wrong motive. Yeah. And so we also don't receive in that way. But we are to petition the father and we are to ask the father. But we are also to use those ailments and those difficulties that we face for the glory of the Lord. Yes. And I think that's where we, we must find a balance because there are times that we will suffer. And sometimes it's suffering just because we're in a wicked world. And it's not necessarily because you have sinned. You know, for example, John 9 comes to mind with the blind man. Yeah. And the disciples ask Jesus, they say, who sinned? Did this man sin or did his parents sin? And Jesus says, no, this, is, this has happened so that the work of God can be seen. All right. And so God has a purpose behind some of even the dark providence that we go through, like illness, sickness, difficulties, to shine forth his glory. And at times even to show his strength in our weakness. And so it's marvelous to even think through that. And James teaches us that, James chapter 1. First uh, Peter even talks about suffering and glory and much of the new testament has that you know that suffering element and we have for a short time even this difficulty that we face but the lord is glorified through it okay my brother you and i will get into trouble if we don't adhere to the casa rules they say you have to play some music as well and we want to adhere to the broadcasting uh, requirements the rules uh, of uh, Ikasa. I've got uh, something beautiful on the turntable. Anya, Enrico, the Lord is my shepherd. That indeed is true. Psalms 23. 
If you've got a question, as jy vraag het, stuur het ons dier 082-657-2729. Baie dankie vir al die uh, opmerkings op WhatsApp, is so lekker om saam jou te keir. Dankie dat jy saam luister en I bless the heart of God. No matter the language that you speak, I pr- the trust that the Holy Spirit will reveal unto your heart what we're speaking about this morning. A wonderful song there, Anya and Enrico, The Lord is my shepherd. The truths of God's word, cutting unto bone and marrow this morning. Hope you enjoyed that one. It's 13 minutes to the top of the hour, to midday. We've literally got 10 minutes. And if we haven't tackled your question this morning, please bear with us. Uh, next week, God willing, we've got some very interesting questions. And sometimes it takes burning the midnight oil. Not for me, but for Rocky to go back and see and study. So it's not that we're ignoring you. It's just some of these questions is taking the uh, burning the midnight candle to try and get to the uh, questions. We will deal with them. Uh, so just stay with us. And, and I think bear maybe with us. on that, Vainant, you know, yeah. the, the scriptures are so sufficient for everything that we need for life and godliness and so just to any of our listeners where sometimes we do miss a question or you know if it's still burning the next week you can send it again as well but you can also go to the scriptures and you can ask the lord please would you reveal this to me and you can study his word and what a joy it is to actually see him answer our questions yeah isn't it wonderful right so with the time left our disposal rocky got a question and i'm not sure if you have time enough for this one it it reads as follows is the uh, abolition of capital punishment a violation of god Law. The afschaffing van die doodstraf is dit een weerbel van Godse wette? The person make mention of Genesis 9 5. And for your lifeblood, I will require a reckoning from every beast I will require it, and from man. Here's the question How do animals give a reckoning? Is the reckoning laid out in Exodus 21? Can you uh, tackle this one with the time left? Yeah, I think we can, we can strive to. There's, there's so much that comes to mind as I think through a question like this, and there's multiple questions even in one question here. So I'll start with the simple answers and then maybe explain a little bit more with what time we have left. As far as animals, um, they, they give a reckoning by paying for their, with their own lifeblood. Um, and so that's one of the ways in which they give a reckoning, a life for a life. You'll find that if an ox gores another ox, then the owner of that ox is to kill the remaining ox and they would share the meat of of both of the oxes. So if you have that kind of an ox fight as such. Um, but if the owner actually knew that the ox was a gorer, then there were different laws as well. But much of the law that's given in the book of Exodus, we must remember, was given to the people of Israel to show the holiness of their God and to show that this is a holy people that are following after God. And so there was a theo- theocratic government. We have something called democracy or democracy, as we as we see it yeah. often in the world we're in. But they had a theocracy. In other words, they were a nation under God. Now, the New Testament church is a Christocracy. We're under Christ. Christ. He's our Lord. That's why we get baptized like we had the question earlier. So when you see in the scriptures, the way that an animal was to even give a reckoning would be by their own life. And then there would sometimes be a reckoning by the master of that animal, because the master of that animal or the owner of that animal was responsible for the animal underneath them. And we see this in Exodus 21. So that is an excellent place to go to. Exodus 21 verse 28 to 32 says this, and if an ox gores a man or a woman to death, the ox shall surely be stoned and its flesh shall not be be eaten, but the owner of the ox shall go unpunished. If, however, an ox was previously in the habit of goring, and its owner had been warned, yet he does not confine it, or and it 
and it puts a man or woman to death, the ox shall be stoned, and its owner also shall be put to death. Wow. And so there you see a reckoning given by a man who was irresponsible with the animal underneath him. If a ransom is demanded of him, then he shall give for the redemption of his life whatever is demanded of him. Whether it gores a son or a daughter, it shall be done to him according to the same judgment. If an ox gores a male or female slave, the owner shall give him or her master thirty shekels of silver, and the ox shall be stoned. And you actually find that our Lord Jesus was sold for thirty shekels of silver later on. But um, life in the womb as well was sacred in the Old Testament. And according to the scriptures, the baby is also a baby from the moment of conception, that moment where sperm meets egg, and so the life was to be protected as well. And Exodus twenty-one, twenty-two to 25 says this, And if a man struggles with another man and strikes a woman with child so that she gives birth prematurely, yet there is no injury, he shall surely be fined as the woman's husband will set for him, and he shall pay as the judgment decide. Um, as the judges decide. But if there is any further injury, then you shall pay life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for bone, bruise for bruise, wound for wound. So that's an important judgment, even from our Lord, regarding the life of a child. God sees it so important that if a baby is injured because there's two men that are in a scuffle, that actually the person that injured the mother that gives birth to maybe a deformed child or a child that is a stillbirth, then that individual would be put to death. And so that's how important God sees even life within the womb. But as the, um, you know, when it comes to the abolition of capital punishment and whether that is a violation of the law of God, I do need to be careful in the way that I answer something like that. Because yeah. in our South African context, capital punishment was often practiced in a way that was itself a violation of the law of God. And so you, it's difficult to sometimes make a judgment call on a question like this. In a perfect setup, Yes, this would be an absolute violation. It is a violation to not do what God's word teaches. But we see that in in South Africa, when we still had capital punishment, sometimes people were put to death when they ought not to have been put to death. And so there was a violation as well with that. And as the old saying goes of Yusuf, I'm sure you know Yusuf's um, fables from 2,500 years ago. He had this famous saying, he said, we hang petty thieves and appoint great ones to public office. And often we see that within democracy in our world and amongst the Gentile rulers. And so I do have a caution when answering a question like that on capital punishment. Um, because we have such a wicked governing system that often the capital punishment wasn't even played out the way that it ought to have been played out. And often there's this corruption and power-hungry dictates who will use then that as a, as a weapon to, to do this. But the basic reason for capital punishment given in the scriptures is, is in particular to the nation of Israel was so that they would be seen as a holy nation, a holy people under their holy God, and, and to protect the sanctity and the sacredness of life was to be upheld. We honor God by honoring one another, and we realize that one another have been made in the image of God. And so there's a lot we could say. We could go into Romans 13 to show the ways that the government should be legitimately governing. There's much illegitimate governing. But one of the things I do want to say, and this should call us, us as Christians to really pray, is that we have a tremendously wicked government and we have a very wicked land. You know, as you look at the stats of this, it's, it's actually horrendous to look at. We have about 67 murders a day that happen in our country. I mean, that is huge. Yeah. And the estimate is that we have about 3,600 rapes a day 
in South Africa. These And these are conservative estimates. And so I think that much has gone amiss in our country. And, and this should call on us as citizens to really pray and beseech the Lord to, to help with this. And I think at times there ought to be, let's say, a peaceful kind of protest even by Christians, and what that looks like is saying no to the government when the government oversteps its bounds. When the government tries to interfere in the family or in the church, the Christian ought to say no to that because the government has been given authority that is legitimate according to God's word to wield the sword and to punish those that are evildoers. But when the government actually lords the evildoer and when they punish those that are doing good, that's when the government begins to do illegitimate governing over the people. So these are tough questions to think through, um, but I, I do think personally that our country would be in a better place if there was just law regarding capital punishment, where even even those that are doing corruption at government level would be um, held accountable properly for these things. And when murderers are held accountable properly, when rapists are held accountable properly, when pedophilia is held accountable properly, I do think that we would sit in a much safer safer South Africa. But then again, it's not just in our country. It's in the rest of the the world. We truly find ourselves in the last days, isn't it? Time has caught up with us. Rocky, sorry to interrupt you. We have to say goodbye. If people want to take it any further with you, how can they reach you email-wise? It's pastor at benonibiblechurch.co.za. Next week, God willing, some more scriptural. Ons sien het na die jaar saam jou. Baie dankie vir al die Whatsapps, alles wat ingekom het. It's good to listen to Rocky Stevenson, Wijnand Rousseau, Radio Pulpit. Act 17.11 says, My brother, my sister, search the scriptures yourself to see if these things are so. Rocky had said it. You can study, you can petition, you can ask the Lord yourself. Prayer, supplication and thanksgiving. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will take hold of your heart and mind. Till next time, keep well. God bless you. Shalom.